I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. On November 8th, Donald Trump shocked the world by narrowly defeating Hillary Clinton for President of the United States. What does Trump's victory mean for education policy? I'm Marty West, Editor-in-Chief of Education Next, and joining me today is Paul Peterson, the Journal's Senior Editor and the Henry Lee Shattuck Professor of Government at Harvard University. I can't think of anyone better positioned to help us think through what happened on Tuesday and what it means for education policy going forward. Paul, thanks for taking the time to join me today. Well, thank you, Marty. This was a shocking election. It's good to have a chance to talk about it. So... I think all of us in trying to make sense of what happened and what comes next are engaging in a bit of speculation, in part because Donald Trump did not offer much in the way of specifics when it comes to education policy and K-12 education policy in particular over the course of his campaign. To the extent that he spoke about the issue at all, his agenda seemed to consist of three items. Let's get rid of the Common Core. Let's expand school choice. And here he proposed devoting some $20 billion in federal funding to that purpose. And let's close the Federal Department of Education. So are those three agenda items what we should expect first from a Trump administration? Well, uh, I think he's going to do some executive actions first. Uh, My view of it is that uh, there's a lot that the president can do by himself, especially since the power of the executive has been enlarged by presidents over the years. So I think he's going to, well, first of all, appoint a new justice of the Supreme Court. That's going to have huge consequences for education. And then I think he's going to withdraw a lot of letters that have come out as dear colleague letters from the Office of Civil Rights within the Department of Education. Uh, So that's what I think he's going to do first. Uh, On the topics you mentioned, I think Common Core is already, you know, pretty much a thing of the past and is going to be replaced by state standards that may be more uniform than in the past. Well, let's go back to your point about executive action. That's obviously something we've seen a lot of from President Obama, who famously said that he has a pen and a phone that he can use to work around Congress when uh, Congress wasn't willing to work with him. And uh, so you mentioned in particular the idea of rescinding some of the guidance or uh, that has been provided by the Office of Civil Rights. I assume what you have in mind here are uh, dear colleague letters concerning the issue of school discipline and the distribution of resources within and between school, uh, school districts. Um, so tell us about how that would change. Well, you know, before the election, I was uh, expecting to see aggressive action coming out of the Department of Education in terms of uh, let's uh, supplement, not supplant resources. If the federal government is acting, let's make sure that all school districts provide equal facilities across racial lines, ethnic lines. I expected to see uh, efforts to make sure that disciplinary practices were equalized across racial lines. And this is because you were expecting a Clinton administration. Exactly. So I, you know, this is a huge change in direction, uh, given what I thought we were going to have and being just shocked at 
how things can change overnight. And Politico is reporting this morning that some surrogates from the Trump administration have even questioned whether we need an Office of Civil Rights at all. So it certainly seems likely that you'd see a less aggressive approach than we've seen under the Obama administration to issues of school discipline and resource allocation, which have really been a focus. I'd imagine, for example, that uh, they would no longer be telling school districts that uh, patterns of disparities across racial and ethnic groups in terms of exposure to school discipline would automatically trigger uh, investigation and scrutiny in the way that the Obama administration has been uh, putting districts on notice. You know, it's easy to talk about abolishing departments or agencies or offices, but it's really hard in practice. It's much easier just to have them do nothing. And so I think we'll have a do-nothing Office of Civil Rights and a, and, and a pullback in the federal role in education. I think we should also keep in mind that the vice president has a very strong interest in education policy, and uh, Mike Spence might play a more significant role in this policy area than, than in others. So uh, without knowing exactly what Pence wants to do, I'd say he already has persuaded the uh, president-elect to focus in on school choice. That was a very big issue in Indiana when Mike Pence was the governor there. So I think this is going to be something that's going to be attempted by the Trump administration. Whether or not they're going to be able to really do much, they could probably put some more money in uh, legislation uh, that would uh, help out with charter school construction. They could maybe uh, change Title I so it's portable. Uh, that's been the Republican proposal. So there are things that they could try there, but where they have to get the cooperation of Congress, even if it's a Republican Congress, things are going to go much more slowly. Yeah, I think in with respect to Title I portability, which it sounds like is what Donald Trump has in mind when he talked about using federal resources to expand school choice, I think it's important to keep in mind that it's not clear that there's a majority of Republicans who are supportive of that approach in Congress, that it tends to be something that the education policy types really like, but uh, it's not clear how broad the support is, even within the Republican Republicans Party. are always in favor of vouchers elsewhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we will see a voucher program for uh, the District of Columbia. I think that will be enacted fairly promptly. Republicans well, it, have pushed it. Exists it exists already, and so well, the question yeah, is how it, much funding does it receive? Uh, well, what? you know, what it's, it's survived at a small scale uh, so that the existing voucher recipients uh, don't get kicked out of school, but there, as I understand it, no new incoming students coming into that program uh, under current legislation. So that's going to change, I think. That'll be one of the first things to change. One of the questions that people had been asking about a potential Clinton administration is just how supportive she would be of charter schools and questions about how much uh, she would request in her budget for the charter schools program. And I think you're right to point to the fact that Trump and Pence are likely to make that a priority rather than something we're asking questions about. I think they're going to talk about it a lot, whether or not they're really, how much they're really going to be able to push this agenda forward remains to be seen. I think this is a state and local action. I think the fact that the Republicans uh, held their own at the uh, state level is very important. They, legislatures uh, have been moving in the direction of more uh, support for choice. And I think that will probably continue at least for two more years. Off-year elections are coming. 
the Republicans better move quickly because the Democrats are going to get their act together in two years' time. And we do seem to be seeing a growing partisan divide on the issue of charter schooling. That's something we've seen in our polling data and really seems to characterize some of the debates over this that have taken place at the state level. We just saw Massachusetts uh, voters there reject a ballot question that would have lifted the cap on the state's very effective charter school sector, where uh, really there was quite strong opposition within the Democratic Party to that proposal to expand uh, choice. It was interesting that uh, the Secretary of Education actually supported uh, the the referendum, the charter school expansion. John Uh, King, who had founded a charter school in the Boston area. Exactly. And so uh, this this is... uh, you know, this, the Democratic Party is still divided on this issue. There is still Democrats for Education Reform, and they're going to be uh, adding some bipartisan tone to the conversation about charter schools, but it's at risk of becoming as partisan an issue as uh, vouchers is. So let's come back to something you mentioned in passing, which was the regulations concerning supplement, not supplant, in the new Every Student Succeeds Act. This is a set of regulations that the Obama administration has been rushing to get out the door before it leaves office. Forget Uh, (laughs) them. They're gone. (laughs) They've received a lot of pushback. uh, And you think that the Trump administration is likely to uh, undo this effort altogether. Yeah. I I don't know why that was so... Uh, rushed because you could have expected a Clinton administration to have moved that forward. And I'm sure that the Obama administration had no expectations as to what the outcome of the election yesterday was going to be. But uh, Actually, I'm not sure that a Clinton administration could have been relied on to advance exactly the approach that they're taking because the unions have been among the most vociferous opponents of that, uh, of what the Obama administration is trying to do. So to the extent that uh, as was widely speculated, uh, that Clinton would be providing a lot of access to the unions, then uh, that really could have changed the story. Oh, interesting, interesting. In any case, I now think that the unions can be very pleased that they have uh, Mr. Trump <laughs> there to take care of this issue for them. At least on that one issue, let's turn to another one where they might not be as pleased. And you said one of the things the president will immediately be responsible for doing is appointing someone to the Supreme Court that's likely to uh, maintain the court's uh, what has been a conservative-oriented majority, at least if Trump follows through on his commitment to appoint a justice along those lines. Um, Where will this matter when it comes to education policy? I think one of the issues that I expected would become part of the political agenda in the next few years was a revisiting of the Rodriguez case, uh, which uh, was on equity uh, within states uh, with respect to students uh, per pupil spending. And um, I think now we can pretty much see that that's not going to happen in the immediate future. the same is true of any uh, revisitation of the McMillan decision on school desegregation. Millican. Millican, sorry, my fault. Uh, the Millican decision on school desegregation uh, is probably not going to get revisited. I think one of the things that may get revisited, though, is the issue of agency fees for teachers who elect not to become members 
of their union that represents them in collective bargaining. The Supreme Court had the opportunity to hear arguments on that issue last term and ended up in deadlocked 4-4 after Justice Scalia's passing. I'd imagine that uh, proponents of uh, uh, challenging the constitutionality of agency fees will be eager to try and find another case that they can get back in front of the Supreme Court. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing about that is a four to four decision by the Supreme Court uh, does not constitute a precedent. So uh, the Vergara case fell because at the uh, appeals court level, the decision went against uh, the uh, those who wanted to uh, protect the civil rights of those who are being affected by seniority rules. And now it's an open question. You could bring this back. Once you get a precedent at the Supreme Court level, then you've got to overturn that precedent, and that conflicts with the stare decisis principle of the Supreme Court. That's not in play now, so you're absolutely right. That could be uh, revisited very easily. Well, as I said, we don't have a lot to go on in terms of what Trump has said as a candidate. We have to engage in some speculation, but uh, it's been fun speculating with you today, Paul. Well, thank you, Marty. I think you should keep your eye on the vice president because I think uh, he's going to have a lot to say about uh, where we go in education over the next four years. My guest today has been Paul Peterson, senior editor of Education Next and professor of government at Harvard University. You've been listening to the Ednext podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for tuning in to Education Next's weekly podcast, released every Wednesday morning. For more on education reform, visit us online, educationnext.org. <laughs>